We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go. It's here. The long awaited debut. VMFC is here and it's going to stay for the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. I actually tweeted that out yesterday. It's like, it'll, this will get us midway through summer. It's just going to be like soccer straight for straight through until seven, eight weeks. Towards the end of July, and then you got NFL training camp, and then, then the Cowboy Rager begins. By the way, Best intro in San Diego Studios, the IES. Yeah, I, I I know it's super over. I appreciate it when you put me you over, too. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is going to be a show for the soccer fans, the fans who are casual soccer fans and tune in during the major tournaments. And we're going to keep you up to speed with everything that's going on. Uh, boss and I, the holding midfielders of VMFC. <laughs> Anchoring, you know, I'm a little more offensive. I'm boss, definitely a holding midfielder at this point in my life. Boss in the stopper defensive <laughs> midfielder role. And uh, joining us on this, our guy, I don't know how many times he's been on the podcast he at this broke, point. He broke the five time a long time ago. Oh, yeah, he broke the five time. He's working on his uh, his, his Miz <laughs> nine time IC champion. Or he's catching Ric Flair's title record. Yeah, I'm hoping for that. Word. Alan, <laughs> Alan Sterk back in the building. Left winger. 
Left winger. <laughs> Let's go. The Croatian left winger. Who's that? Uh, Perisic, right? Perisic, yeah. Perisic. I wish I had a left foot like him, but I'll cut into the right, bend it in, whatever. Our attack is starting to build now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, back be, we'll, be having, we'll be having people's, uh, you know, super subs stepping in. You know, some extra role players as <laughs> we go on. Those 75th minute subs when you need that goal late <laughs> in the game. Yeah, so we're going to, we'll be taking you up until the conclusion of the World Cup. And uh, who knows what goes on after. But for now, we have a lot to get to. We got a lot to recap. Uh, First of all, let's start off with this basic question. When did you start getting into soccer, boss? So playing, I played it my whole life. Mm -hmm. Well, pretty much growing up, like through college, even like recreationally. So, yeah, when I was little, my parents signed me up, and I fell in love since. It was easy because, like, all my friends from school, we were all on the same team. Dude, I saw so, that picture that I think it was Ruben put up. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, you, Marco, Eric. Yeah, my headband. Like, wow, yeah, I is... always wore a headband back in the day. Boss had the headband. But, um, yeah, so it was easy. Like, your friends from school, you saw them afterwards, so I always wanted to go play. And it made it better that we were one of the best teams in our CYO. Like, any team we played, we were winning chips every year from about fifth grade on. So we were loaded. I think everyone from my team went on to go, not everyone, but a good percentage of the starters went on to go play high school. Okay. So we were really good, and it just made it fun to go out there and play and stuff. So, yeah, but I never started watching. I never watched soccer because my parents, like, never, I didn't know it was on TV because it's always on, you know, these the early, exotic cha- channels, and it's yeah, always yeah. early in the morning. Well, that was the thing. Us growing up when we were younger, it was always like you had to have a certain package. Right. You had to illegally stream it sometimes depending right. on what league it was. But now the the generation now that's growing up and the you know even the teenagers and younger, dude, it's everywhere. Fox Sports, Fox always, Sports, yeah. NBC, ESPN, NBC, BN, got Premier like, League games. Yeah, everywhere. So all right. So yeah, so I didn't really start watching until later on. So maybe 06, the World Cup and I was already like 13, 14 then in high school or starting high school. So that's when I really got into watching it mm-hmm. more so than playing it. But I've played it my whole life and I just love the sports soccer since I used to you? subscribe to Sports Illustrated, and I'll never forget before the 2006 World Cup, it was a huge cover of the United States national team. I had uh, Beasley, McBride, Donovan, I Dempsey, too. Dempsey was there, too. Dempsey's coming out party was the 06 World Cup. That was also U.S. coming back from that quarterfinal appearance in yeah. 02. Yeah. So 02, they like, went to the quarters. Also, got to give a shout out to Casey Keller, was also on the cover. <laughs> so I remember seeing a cover and like reading the article. I'm like, I, I think maybe I got to get into this. And then I remember it was like this huge wallpaper of like the schedule, ABC, ESPN was all over. And I just got excited. And being that my father was born in Croatia, my mother was born in Australia, I always had some soccer ties. And I was like, all right, I'm going to commit to this. And I remember the first game I ever watched was Croatia Brazil. Brazil won 1 nothing. Kaka scored a crazy goal. It's like 30 feet left foot blessed and from then on and given that i had a lot of italian friends growing up with and mm. they won the world cup that year i mean <laughs> so yeah. I, I was riding with that because christian got eliminated group stage they didn't even win a game but it's just the excitement of seeing all these nationalities coming together doesn't matter what country you're from and just seeing everyone just rage on as you like to say oh yeah <laughs> for sure uh-huh. like especially given that it was in germany and i'll never forget when croatia played brazil there was like fifty thousand Croatians singing the national anthem I'm like what am i watching right now yeah. I'm like my mind was blown and then watch that brazil team because that was brazil everyone was hyping on brazil they had ronaldinho oh Ronaldo, yeah adriano yeah, Kaka, yeah. roberto Dude. carlos i think it was even still there yeah roberto carlos my guy <laughs> yeah best free kick taker so the, to me the six world cup still like my, my favorite major tournament just so much talent the don that was his last major tournament who could ever forget the headbutt but it was still a great Tournament. Ronaldo, I think it was the second tournament, maybe. Yeah, yeah. His first one was against the, the Dirty Lambs hey. in 04, the Euro Cup. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> ever since Greece didn't qualify for the 06 World Cup after winning the Euro Cup in 04, 
I haven't watched the Greece game in like qualifying stages. I'll watch them in the World Cup and the Euro Cups, but I was like, dude, the fact that you win the Euro Cup and you can't qualify for World Cup, which a lot of people say if you win the Euro Cup, it's 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 a tough tournament because all the best teams in the world, for the most part, from Europe are from Europe. Mm-hmm. So you winning that puts you in in an elite group. And then when they didn't win make the World Cup, I was like, yo, bedtime. That was a bedtime before I knew what bedtime was. That's also one of the first, my first memories of like watching soccer, even though I didn't start watching until 06 because our neighborhood is a Greek neighborhood, yeah. Astoria. So there were Greece flags everywhere, yeah. everywhere that summer till like Christmas time. Yeah. And, and then follow <laughs> that up insane. two years later with insane. the World Cup. With the World Cup, Italy winning. Oh, yeah. God. Well, yeah, it was like an Italian-Greek neighborhood. Yeah. It was beeping for like four hours in my neighborhood. And it was cool because I was like, I like seeing my friends happy. But eventually, it was just like, oh, man, can this stop? <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't yeah, get yeah. it. But yeah, since 06, and then I'll, st- I'll say that I think I started following league around 08, 09. After Euro 08, Euro 08, I also really enjoyed. And then from then on, just loved the sport. Yeah, I would say this too. My favorite World Cup was, was it 2014? 2010. Spain? At your crib, yeah. That was like when we first started hanging out. Word, that's kind of. that's a yeah. Like we always knew each other, but we yeah. got close with that World Cup. Yeah, remember I broke my foot when we were yeah, playing at St. Francis. They couldn't get up when Dodden scored the the Nigerian goal. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who was though? Killed it that time. I don't know. And I remember that tour made it a bitter because Croatia didn't qualify actually. But <laughs> I just remember that tour not a lot of goals. Like Holland had. They were doing that thing. I remember Von Bronckhorst scored a crazy blast against Uruguay. But between that and USA, I don't remember much from that tournament. Like the final, you know, you had Nigel De Young with the big boot on yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, And then, know. I mean, if you guys paid attention to the intro of the podcast, we actually have the call from from the Iniesta goal. Iniesta scored in, in extra time. And then Gotze, too. Yo, back-to-back World Cup finals, the goal came in extra time. I thought 14 was really good. I loved 14. Yamez took over. Yeah, James really came out as I'm sporting my Columbia right, soccer yeah. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, that was his. And what's crazy, that, that was, was a, their first tournament back in the, the picture. That's since, right. Since, since 94 when yeah. uh, Escobar got killed, the, yeah. uh, the soccer player that scored the own goal uh, yeah. for Columbia. Yeah. And who for Germany? Them destroying Brazil. Oh, God. oh, dude! I remember just like because <laughs> you know it's Queens is a very like diverse neighborhood. Yeah. So when we go to Studio Square, we go to all these bars. You see, no matter what team is playing, you'll see a shitload of fans. Everyone's represented. Every country. It got very quiet during that Germany Brazil game, and it was in Brazil too. At yeah. insult to injury, uh, for me, my first. I like to say that the 2002 World Cup was my birth as a as a sports fan. That's when I really started following sports. From then on, there it's like it's been like my number one love. And it was uh, France. They lost to Senegal in the opener, their opening game, oh, yeah. uh, and then they didn't qualify. They were the defending champions. O two was Brazil. That was that was a very good Brazil team too. That was a young Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Rivaldo, one of my favorite players of all time. My guy Cafu. Kafu too, 127 years old, playing right back for him. And who was the goal? I think Dida. I remember he was always on Milan. Dida. Brazil had so many great legends. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that was a fun team, and that was a fun tournament because I think South Korea also made a deep run too. Turkey made with Japan. It was Turkey, South Korea, Germany, and Brazil. Okay, that was the God. final four. And uh, Germany, the infamous handball with uh, the USA in the mm-hmm. final in the quarterfinals. Damn, that was a fun ass. <sighs> 
Dosa Zero really was that was originated then because USA played Mexico in the round of sixteen. Oh wow! And they beat them two nothing there. That's when like it originally started. One of my favorite goals. I, I didn't watch the World Cup at the time because I just didn't know the sport. But Jared Borghetti's header against Italy, mm. one of the greatest headers I've ever seen. It was like a one eighty, just reversed it. I, I I don't know. If, maybe Buffon was the goalie at the time. I just remember the goalie was frozen and Mexico beat Italy. I wish I was old enough to comprehend what was going on in like two thousand two with USA soccer and their run. But I just wasn't watching. Dude, from the start, they, they come out, man. I remember it. McBride scores a goal also. That was Luis Figo, uh-huh. Rui Costa, Pauleta. Portugal had Pauleta. a stack. Figo was my guy. Alan was talking about it right before we started recording, how that was like the golden age of Portugal, they said. Because 06, I think they made it to the semis. They lost to France. I mean, Zidane scored the penalty, but they had so much talent. That was when Carvalho was still young. Yeah, and I mean, look, Deco. two years after, Deco wow, too. Wow, yeah. the truth. Number 10. <laughs> yeah, two years after, they went to the final of the Euro Cup too. So you were looking at a because no, I think it was Germany, Spain. No, no, no. Uh, Two thousand four. Oh, I'm thinking about oh, wait, my yeah, 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 four. Yeah, that's right. Was Greece, Portugal? Yeah, oh four, oh six, and then oh six they made a deep run. So yeah, that was like yeah, the golden yeah. age of Portugal. Was Claudio Reina the captain of United States at the time? I think in in two thousand two he was. Okay, that was a young Beasley OG midfielder. Young uh, that was the Donovan come up of two. U.S. soccer. Yeah. That was yeah, that really put him on the map. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that being said, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a season recap of the Champions League. Just an overall, your biggest takeaway of what you learned from the Champions League. And I'll lead this one off. Uh, Money doesn't buy championships. PSG broke the bank this past summer uh, with Neymar and Mbappe. They just, you know, shitload of money just to get bounced in the round of 16. Tough draw for them, you know, getting Real Madrid in the round of 16. But when you're spending money like that, Eventually, you're going to have to play these elite clubs. And the fact that you get bounced in the round of 16, I know Neymar got hurt too, unfortunately Mm -hmm. for them. But still, it was just, you know, it was a 1-1 game. And then they give up those two late goals in Madrid. You're looking at the game at the 80th minute. It's 1-1 going back to to Paris. You're like, yo, you're in a good spot. You got that away goal we always talk about on aggregate. And then before you know it, it was just a gangbang. And when you pay that much, you expect to compete against whoever. And let's not forget, they beat Bayern Torched him. Ancelotti yeah. got sacked a day later. So it's not, of course, Real Madrid, very tough draw, but you don't care who you're playing with. That's your what PSG. I'm saying. Like, you need to take on whoever. And it was very disappointing. Like those two legs, PSG didn't really offer much. Yeah, I mean, that just leads right into my takeaway of Madrid. Mm-hmm. Like they were off to a shaky start in league and just turned out once Europe, once the Champions League started. Like they were dropping points to Real Betis yeah. and v- Celta Vigo at whole, like in league. And then just coming out running through Europe. And it's just showing their dominance of Europe the last, was this four, three straight uh, appearances in the, tit- in the yeah, Champions four, League? Four four in the last yeah, five and years. Four to five. So it's just like a testament to Zidane like, and them just, per, uh, you know, persevering really through uh, the early struggles of the season. And it really shows you that their attention was the Champions League. At one point, Barcelona jumped out to a big lead. They're like, all right. Well, I think Madrid was sitting in like eighth place. They're like, yo, let's, in the season, yeah, like let's just do what we got to do to get in the top four. So you'd be in Champions League next year. And forget it. We're not going to catch Barcelona. Let's just go all in on, on the Champions League. And that's exactly what they did. And look, they're here. Yeah. Beat the best French team, Italian team, German team. Now they're playing the most dynamic English team. Yeah, so, which, which we'll get to in a little bit. So what, what was your uh, big takeaway, Alan? Look, we all love goals. So I don't want to come off this big nerd but i do think the art of defending is 
something that should be considered because some defending in this Champions League. Like you expect group stage to be pretty lopsided, but even the knockout stage, some defending you watch is just what are these players doing? Even Italian clubs that are known for defending, like mm-hmm. Juventus, they could have lost four or five. No, the Madrid in that first leg. I know they came back in the second leg, but even for a side like Juventus that's known for defending, they were pretty disappointing. Roma conceding seven goals altogether, and then the first leg against Liverpool, they're playing a high line. How do you play a high line with Salah Mane, just those runs, and then you have Firmino coming back? It's just defending was really shocking. You had all these pundits, like guys like Alan Shear and Gary Lanker, like, oh my God, they're defending was like this in the 90s would have scored 40 goals a season that's <laughs> yeah. why you see Ronaldo Messi breaking records I hope defending gets better but look, I know everyone we want to see entertainment we want to see these goals but hopefully for the final guys like Ramos Varane Van Dijk Lovren let's tighten up the defending let's make it a little more difficult not 20 30 chances a game or within two legs because even Madrid and Bayern that game was really open too like Bayern wasted how many chances well I mean <sighs> if you they said that the two semifinal uh, the two matchups in the semifinals combined it's the most goals ever scored in a semifinals like it's it's number one and two if you take combined aggregate 7-6 Liverpool won and uh, Real Madrid edged past Bayern 4-3 so it's like yeah it was goals galore I remember the Roma I think they lost 5-2 yeah that first game in Liverpool and I was like in my head like as soccer like yeah that's more than enough they're not going to cover three goals and they still made it interesting so it just Mm -hmm. goes to show you like this whole tournament was wide open in terms of goal scoring and you know, it was never over after one leg. And it could be a formation thing because a lot of teams, they like playing three up top, whether they play a 4 3 3 or 3 4 or 1 2. Like it varies with formations. But you see a lot of teams like Liverpool, Madrid, they'll play 4 3 3. And maybe it's because they just want to attack and they leave the midfield open. But it would be nice to see better defending. That's because things just got crazy after a while. I'm just watching this. I'm like, how is this happening? Was it? I saw, I think you tweeted about it the over under. What was it what was the line set? Two yeah, and a half? for the, for the final, it's three. Three, yeah. Oh, that's like, ridiculous. Dude, it's usually like two and a half. <laughs> this was this was right after they announced what the line was going to be, and I'm like, dude, this should be three and a half, four. Like these yeah. teams are just offensive juggernauts. Yeah. And and yo, I, I also think that to be fair, these teams have some of the best offensive firepower in soccer. True. So I, that's why they're going to be all out attack. Mm-hmm. The trio of uh, Salah, Mane, and Firmino, I think, is top in Europe combined. And then we know all about Ronaldo. We know all about Benzema and Bale, too, mm-hmm. whenever he's playing for them. Or Isco. It's, yeah, Isco, who's this guy. I'm expecting a very big World Cup from him. We'll get, we'll get to that in the coming weeks. It was funny, too, because once Liverpool sold off Coutinho, you know, you thought maybe they might struggle. But they only lost two games in league after that, too. So they really took off even without Coutinho. Yeah. So, which is also funny. Which is one of the one of the things I want to talk about now that we'll we'll get into the the final preview. It's funny how life and sports works because Coutinho's big thing was he wanted to live leave Liverpool to go win the Champions League. What is it? Five six months later, lo and behold, Liverpool's in the Champions League yeah. final. So it goes to show you, man. He left to go to Barcelona, and. Grass isn't always green on the other side. Exactly. And then it goes to show you, like, how, though he did get injured earlier in the year, so they did grow accustomed to playing without him. But then it just opened up the door for Salah to have a dude. He's had, was it 40 goals he had this year? 41. 41 goals, a shitload of assists. What made the Coutinho move even more curious was that he was cup tied, so he couldn't even play in the spring or when during the knockout stage. You would think. You see the Liverpool team. It's clearly a special team. Why not stay at least till the summer? But he was just that desperate to go. And uh, I, you can't say he didn't pay for it because he couldn't play. It was out of his hands. But maybe he could have waited to June because he, he would have been a clear starter for them. 
So, Alan, let's start off with this. How did how did each team get here? How did uh you know we touched on Real Madrid a little bit? How you know we they they must have saw that they couldn't catch Barcelona, like Boss said. They were so far behind, dropping games to Celta Vigo and Real Betis, and then they just went in all in on on the Champions League. So, how did how did Liverpool get here? Well, Madrid. Well, yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean we'll, we'll touch on both oh, teams. Okay. So, all right, let, all let's right. start off with Real Madrid. Well, Madrid, they had a tough group. I remember they drew Tottenham and Dortmund. I know Dortmund fell off a bit, but remember Tottenham at Wembley absolutely just battered them. And then they drew at the Bernabeu. So Madrid actually came in second. Then they had to draw PSG. But yeah. everyone had this feeling. It's like, all right, PSG known for bottling it in, in the knockout stages. So you have that experience with Madrid. But I think what made this run more interesting than the last two is that Zidane changed up a lot with formations. Because back in the day, he used to pretty much stick with Benzema, Bale, Ronaldo. Then would be Modric, uh, Cruz, and Casemiro in the back four. But this time, you see him sometimes go to a four four two, three four one two, putting Isco in there, or even Ensencio or Luis Vac- Lucas Vasquez in there. One I call him him my pops every time we watch Real Madrid. We call him the super sub. This yeah. guy comes in and just changes the entire <laughs> dynamic for that team. You know, like they rotate so much. Like usually Madrid has a set formation, but whether it was the first leg or second leg against Munich, like they changed up. They played four four two, and there was times they even on Kovacic against uh, I think the second leg against PSG and Let's the second go. leg against Munich. Alan, Alan's getting horny over there. So, Kovacic. It's it's <laughs> so it's just it's interesting that Zidane a lot of people don't know how to rate him because you have the greatest squad in the world. How how was he how do we rate him as a manager when you have this much talent? But yeah. he's shown beating top clubs in three major countries and then switching up in terms tactically. I know things got a little hairy against Juventus. Things are rough, but they pulled it out. The Everton scored that ridiculous penalty. That was a bullshit penalty. <laughs> and then against Bayern, they just didn't make mistakes because Bayern, you look at some of the errors they made. Rafinha had that awful clearance. Then the goalie, oh God, Sven Aldrich, won their poor Manuel Neuer somewhere just shaking his head. But Madrid, they just persevere. I think that's why you look at them. Man. Between that and then Zidane constantly rotating and knowing his talent and they had injuries too I remember Ramos I think was also suspended he's always suspended yeah those guys <laughs> so Madrid perseverance that's what you have to respect about them especially given this is easily their worst year domestically in ages oh for sure so. and you know you, you mentioned something which I think a lot of sports fans that might not be soccer fans can relate about Zidane how good of a manager is he a lot of people ask that about Steve Kerr with the Warriors it's right. like dude how good of a coach are you when you have arguably the best shooting backcourt of all time you have 1B when it comes to best basketball players in the world in Durant. And you have this system that was pretty much there for you once you got there. So it's, it's like the same thing. Like, how good of a coach is Steve Kerr? How good of a manager is Zidane? Yeah, for sure. He inherited that team, but he's done a good job. Like I said, when he started off rough early and domestically, they had him on the hot seat, which is crazy because, like, their success of under him the last couple of years. So he really, you know, like Alan said, just they just, as a team persevered. Went after this Champions League dream instead of the league, worrying about the league, and just turned it on. And they didn't really add anything. So they they lost Morata and James, and I don't know many major transfers. Like for the most part, they've they brought a few players up. Sensio, I think, is gonna be the next big superstar. But other than that, you just they kept their core. Yeah, and it, it worked. And they, they totally dedicated their time towards Champions League, like we mentioned before. But what they did, especially at Turin, because Juventus is known for, when they're at home, they don't concede. And Madrid just totally blew them away. I think that was probably their best performance. Though. I know being PSG is a big deal, of course, being Bayern. But what they did that in the first, first leg, it's like, okay, yeah. they're, they're probably going to go back to Fado. Like, it, it just... It, it's a conclusion. I know Bayern, of course, they're world-class players, but they could do this to Juventus. Oof, anything's possible. Especially in uh, in Italy, for sure. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much touched on it, dude. It's it, also another reason why they got there, Ronaldo. I think this guy scored in every single knockout game, or maybe one he didn't score in. It's like one of big, the Bayern games, I think, maybe. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. That, that's Cristiano Ronaldo. Year in, year out, he's getting old, he's washed up, whatever, and it's like, dude, he's here again. Yeah. And if you remember the, the final a couple of years ago, it might have even been last year, uh, he scored one of the penalties that won him when it went to a shootout, right? And it's like, you know, he played shitty the whole game. He was awful. It's against Aletio in the final. It was against yeah, Atletico. Yeah. And then he scores a PK, takes off his shirt. It's the game winner. <laughs> that's what everyone remembers. But it's just like this guy just has a knack of showing up in big games. Yeah, that's the, that's one of the storylines, too, with this final. Is like It's the Liverpool's first appearance for this roster in the final, whereas Madrid has all this experience, and particularly Ronaldo, of the Euro final. And like he has all this big-time tournament. You know, like you said, he performs big-time in big games. So that's one something to look after, too, is how is... Liverpool going to hold their own in the, with the spotlight on them in Kiev. One player that should probably mention, you want to talk about big game players, you mentioned Ronaldo. Marcelo's another one. Dude, I was <laughs> going to bring up, that guy is, first of all, he's been there for a decade. I was going <laughs> to say he feels like he's yo, been around forever. I was watching Catch some... Catch up to Cafu. Yo, I was watching some, uh, some like, highlight, and he showed, like, Real Madrid in, like, 06, 07, and they had Marcelo. Before he had the blowout, <laughs> yeah, he had like he had hair like uh, Gabriel Jesus from Man City. Oh. Like he had no hair, pretty much. It's like, dude, this guy's been there forever. Yo, it's it's nuts. And yeah, yo, he he always stands out every PSG, single time. PSG, um, Bayern game he scored as well. Just somehow he just makes those runs, and you see the ball in the back end that. So, uh, Alan, we'll start off with you. What do you? What's your biggest storyline when it comes to this final over here? Well, we mentioned Marcelo. I'm so fascinated by how Marcelo approaches the game because obviously he comes from the left side, and who's Liverpool on the right side is Mohamed Salah. Mm. So Marcelo is going to have to be wary of how often he wants to make those runs because once Salah gets on the counterattack, you do not want a center back isolated against him. I don't care if it's Ramos, Varane. You do not want a center back isolated against Salah because he's either going to cut inside or he's going to reverse his dribble and... In terms of accuracy, he's about as lethal as it gets. So I think that's the big matchup. How is Marcel going to approach this game? Because we know he's, as good as he is, he gets very reckless. I think he was one of the reasons why Byron scored that first goal. I think he pushed two up. So that's the big matchup I'm looking forward to. And just how, because you know Ronaldo, his touches are going to be limited. But at some point, Ronaldo's going to get a chance. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about lethal, he's also as lethal as it gets. So... How those two attackers and how both teams contain in between? Because so, Ronaldo and Salah, those are two players everyone's going to be looking at. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So how if it only takes one chance, especially given how accurate they are. So that's what I'm mostly looking at. I'm going to piggyback off what you said. My biggest storyline is who's going to be Robin for each team, right? Like you got Ronaldo and Salah. That's Batman for both sides. Is Bale going to have a performance? Is it going to be Isco? Is it going to be Sané, Firmino? Who's going to be that other guy to relieve some of the pressure and capitalize on these opportunities when they do when they are presented? Because, yo, let's face it, this is going to be a fun game if you're a casual soccer fan or if you're not even a soccer fan. It's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be talking about. Though These two teams are just nonstop offensive. So who's going to be there to pick up the scraps when maybe Ronaldo or Salah, because they're such big names and so good, they're going to be, you know, they're going to have a... Uh, a bullseye on their chest so they might have double coverage or something or you know the center back might be shifting over to his side so who's going to be the guy the unsung hero to step up in this final mine's just can liverpool play a full 90 i was actually you know looking into, the, into cool. them as a as a team and in the last four competitions and including the roma game 
They've lost 6-0. They're down 6-0 in the last 15 minutes of games, but they're up 9-2 in the first 75 minutes. And we saw in that Roma game, they gave up two late goals in the 86, and I think that penalty yeah. in stoppage time. So just like Alan said earlier, the art of defense is it lost. They need to put together a full 90, especially against it with an attack like Real Madrid. So if they're ahead, they want to stay ahead. And, yeah, they, they just got to – Put it together for that 90 minutes. Yeah, that's mad true because I remember when, when I'm playing like uh, DraftKings Champions League, of course I'm, I'm getting after <laughs> it in DraftKings soccer, but I'll notice in the beginning, every time I'm taking Liverpool guys, I'm always like at the top and then come like the last 20 minutes, it's like they just fall off. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It could be maybe fatigue or maybe they're just so full throttle the first like 70, 75 minutes that they kind of just try to play defensive and just stay with that result. That's Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. High octane as it gets in terms of just pressure and uh, limiting the possession, especially given Madrid's midfield. It's going to be very interesting how much they press because Madrid's midfield is as good as it gets, and you don't want them to get comfortable in possession. Because if they get comfortable in possession with Cruz uh, and Modric spurting balls all across the field, it's bad for Liverpool, especially because they're kind of overmatched at midfield. It's going to be on them to just make Madrid as uncomfortable as it gets, especially with whether it's Varane or Ramos with the ball. Klopp is chasing his, his first Champions League title. I know he lost with Dortmund. Dortmund, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's trying to get one. Yeah, yeah, and like, look, he's one of the best managers in Europe. But it's one of those things where it's like, yo, you got to win a big one mm-hmm. for you to. And I know he won a he he won a league with Dortmund. He yeah, won he a did. Bundesliga. I think two actually, like around so, 2011, 2012. Yeah, so well, that was around the time that they went to that final against Bayern too. Before they mm-hmm. sold off all, the, you know, they still had uh, Lewandowski. 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 I was, was on that team. Goethe yeah. too was on there too. So. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and let's see how he, you know, experience versus inexperience, too. Like you said in the beginning, boss, how Liverpool's first time against a team that's been here for the last five finals, which is crazy. Nothing that hurts Liverpool is that they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, Madrid, for, for days. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool, Ox Chamberlain out for the season. Emery Chen likely not to be fit. Abelana just coming back. Other than this 19-year-old English forward, Dominic Solanke, they really don't have much. Other stuff, Danny Ings as well, but... But you could break Bale, Asensio, yeah, Vasquez. Coach has like three first teams. <laughs> they do, and and that's why that's why these teams like that's why you always see the same teams in the finals for the most part because they could break the bank and they have a stacked bench that depth isn't an issue, mm-hmm. right? Remember when Leicester City won the EPL and then they go into Champions League? A lot of people were like, they pretty much kept their same core, but it's different when you're playing one game a week and then you're asked to play three games a week sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Champions League, FA Cup, FA yeah. Cup, and then your league. It's too much. But teams like Barcelona, Madrid, Bayern, uh, well, not PSG, because they shit the bed. But these big-name teams, mm-hmm. when they break the bank, that's what happens. They add yeah. the depth to their team. So, uh, fellas, predictions. Give me a score. Give me a – who, who's lifting – who's hoisting the cup? I'll let Alan go first. I'm going to go Liverpool 3-2. I think this game's going to be bananas – I don't see Madrid. I, I, they're going to control a little bit of it, but I'm really concerned on how much Madrid allowed Bayern all those opportunities. And I think a team like Liverpool is going to make them pay. I worry about Marcel again, too, excited going up front. I, I just think Madrid, as good as they are, there's an ego about them. And mm. I, while they do respect Liverpool, I just think Liverpool's front free is going to be too much, especially given the age. I think Ramos is aging a little bit. Carvajal, I, 
I think he's going to be fit, but he's not 100%. Kaylor Navas, we didn't even mention the goalies. Both goalies are kind of shaky, but Navas has been very shaky in shape. The Karius has gotten better, but Navas, uh, like, there's some games, like the Juventus game, he had a terrible miss goal. Matuidi scored, so I think Liverpool, they're going to capitalize on Madrid. Of course, Madrid's going to have their chances. Liverpool's back forward, nothing to scream about, but I'm going to ride them. I think just the vibe of it, I'm feeling it. I'm going Madrid. I don't think they get shut out this year. They lost early in the Copa. They lost the league early. I think this is they're going to put it together and score something late. Like I said, that Liverpool not putting together full ninety, they're going to score something late. Probably Some Ronaldo. Some like actions from Ronaldo. As Ronaldo we see. in the eighty eighth, take his shirt off, get a yellow card, not worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Also Breaking. interesting, no suspensions really going into this game. That should be noted too. So everyone, which is aside nice. from injuries, like the, yeah. the thing is we're, is, we're not quite sure how Madrid's going to have. Liverpool's had the same lineup for the past like five, six weeks. Madrid, you don't know if they're going to. I think they're going to go back to because against the second leg they played like a four four two. Just it was a weird formation. So now I think they're going to go back to like a four three one to get Casemiro back in there because they need him to, especially as the shield of the back four. But. Is it going to be Isco or Bale? That's the big question. Because I'm pretty sure Benzema is going to get back in there. And obviously, Ronaldo is going to start. So, I just wonder if they're going to start. I, don't, I think Asensio, a little too much for him right now. I think it's going to come down to Isco or Bale. And i probably going to go Isco because Bale just never know what him fitness was. Yeah, Isco is playing at a really high level right now, also, too. Also, keep in mind for the over, Mate, uh, Salah, and Firmino are, I think, three of the top four leaders in scoring in terms of goals and assists in the Champions League this year. So... It could be a 3-2 game. Very well be. Yeah, a lot of people are expecting it to be high scoring. I think the one worry well. is that the just the whole concept behind the final, that teams get overly conserved. But Liverpool's a team that doesn't get conserved. They're, they're not going to become cautious. They're going to go after. They only get cautious when they have a lead. They're going to the second leg like they did against City and Roma. But Yo, in zero zero game, yeah. they're going to go off. Liverpool, like we didn't really touch on how they got here, but they put the beats on City. That's right. A yeah. team that was like heralded this year. Obviously, took care of the Premier League, and they were like... You know, being historic crowd is yeah, 100 as, points. 100 yeah, points. What, what City did was absurd. Yeah. It's like the yeah, the best team ever. And then Liverpool with ease took them down. Yeah, and and yeah, you bring up a good point. How the first leg of all their their matchups, they pretty much advance right then and there for the most part. For the yeah. most part, you know. And then after that, you're, you're right. They do play a very aggressive style. Mm-hmm. So I want to say it's one of those things where heart says Liverpool. The mind says Real Madrid, just because been there, done that, until proven otherwise. Um, I'm gonna go two two going into extra time. Let's go PKs. some extra time. Oh, PKs. man, two questionable goalies and PKs. I'm going PKs, <laughs> PKs. Right? You know, my 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 pops always told me from a young age when it comes to penalty kicks, the best players always miss the penalty kicks. Yo, it just just always happens. Just from experience, too. That's a big question. Ronaldo come off an injury. Yeah. And uh, a classico. I'm assuming he's going to be fit, but at his age, 120 minutes. Like Modric has recently had to come off in games because he's 32. Like these players, especially against Liverpool, you wonder. But yeah, how do you guys feel about penalties? (sighs) (laughs) It it sucks because very, like a team could dominate the whole game and then lose in PKs. Right, it's right. unfortunate. It's a crapshoot. It's really fifty-fifty. It's a coin toss. All those like analogies. Mm-hmm. I tend to like it sometimes. There's there's nothing else, and uh, I think in the sports world that's suspenseful. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, and the drama to I was it. Compare it to hockey because hockey has it during the regular season, like the mm-hmm. five over, the five minute overtime and the shootout. But in soccer too, you can like I've been in a couple of shootouts myself. Like I played, you know, growing up, you can't run around for. 200 minutes yeah. you can't, yeah. it's just physically impossible so 
penalties are are inevitable. Like I, I I think it's a good part of the game, even though it sucks. Like it comes down to that. Like getting eliminated on penalties is no worse feeling for me through experience and just like watching it, my you know a team play. But I feel like they just have it's they have to be there. There's no other resolution unless you want to see guys cramp up and reserves on reserves come in. Yeah, yeah. It's a part of the game, but I think if you're not emotionally invested in the game, you can enjoy it, but if you're emotionally invested, like I watched with a bunch of time friends, Italy, Germany in the last Euros, and that went to like the 8th and ninth, and of course Zaha, or not Zaha, Zaza. Zaza. <laughs> it's one of the worst penalties you've ever seen. There was a couple other bad penalties. Even if I'm not emotionally invested in my heart, you become, you become, penalties. Yeah, if you're watching just, that, you become. They like, yeah, I've been a that. part of this before. I'm just like yeah. nervous watching these guys perform. They didn't, wasn't, Greece, Costa Rica, last World Cup penalties. Yeah. Oh, so I went to begin. Dude, Navas got signed by Real Madrid because of what he did to Greece. Because <laughs> oh, Costa Rica was playing with 10 men for about 60 minutes. That World Cup, Costa Rica. And Costa Rica, Navas kept them in the game. The Dirty Lambs couldn't bury one. <laughs> Legends. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with penalty kicks. And I'm, I would love to see Liverpool, man. I think it'd be fun. It'd be big. Just uh, see Klopp. Uh, yeah, Christi- uh, not Cristiano. Klopp. Um, Christian Pulisic linked heavily to them to go there next year. I think that'd be a nice move. You, would you? Because he's not going to start. I can't see him breaking up that. T- I think Salah's going to go. No, don't say that. I know. I don't want to see him. But Watch I him the World Cup score like six goals, two hundred yeah, million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yo, if he carries Egypt, he's going to score a hat trick and then against if Russia and pose against Putin. Past the group stage, that'll be something. That'll be, that'll be. Wait maybe. though, because their group's kind of soft. Russia, Saudi Arabia. I mean, they're not favorite to advance. It's well, a, Uruguay, it's Russia, and Uruguay. Really, Russia over Egypt? I mean, Russia, Dude, Russia because bad, I know, but yeah. Russia—they're the home yeah. team. The host, yeah. Russia's the worst team in the Euros, but all right. yeah, they get a cupcake <laughs> game one against Saudi Arabia oh. too. But um, uh, all right, let, let's let's talk a little bit about the World Cup. Let's do a little World Cup introduction over here. So uh, I have a couple questions I want to post to you guys, and for everyone listening, feel free to chime in at Veterans Minimum yeah, on definitely Twitter. Definitely tweet us. Uh, cheap plug. All right, so. Why should a fan, a casual fan, right? Let's call them uh, the Tims. Why should the Tims out there, Tim on VM, you know, he doesn't really watch soccer at all, but he's told me throughout the lead up to VMFC that he's like, yo, I'm kind of down with the major tournaments. So why should the casual fan care about this World Cup, boss? Um, It's just national pride. Like even your roots, like Alan mentioned earlier, his Australian Croatian roots, his, he said, I think before we recorded, his mom's going to wake him up at 6 a.m. Australia, France. To watch Australia. Let's do it. So it, it's just like it brings connections, mm-hmm. like family connections or friend connections. Like, I, you know, I don't know anyone else Australian aside from Alan, who's waking up for that game at 6 a.m. and is happy to do it. So if you're a casual fan, you just you get invested. It's a month-long tournament. You don't have to, you know... It's not a long time where you have to watch like baseball 162 games yeah, yeah. or something. It's, it's it comes quick. and goes very fast. It's three game. It could last as long as three games or as long as seven games for your country or for your team. So it's just fun. It's it's fun to be a part of. It's fun if you go out. Like I said, you see, it's like the melting pot. There's people representing co- different countries everywhere. So it's a good time. It's just a fun time. Just kick off pretty much the <laughs> summer for for anyone. For me, you know, personally, when I was younger and I didn't really understand watching soccer yeah as much everyone was so hyped to watch italy play greece play like all these countries around here so it's fun and particularly us going to studio squares the big spot to watch the world cup you see every country there every day represented and big and big groups too yeah so it's fun it's fun watching 
you know, fan bases go at it, clash. Everyone's representing their country on social media. It's it's just it's fun to be a part of. You mentioned something right there, social media. What do people tend to do, right? They always say like during the Kentucky Derby, everyone becomes a horse right, expert. Right, yeah. right? It it's water cooler talk, right? A lot of people are gonna be talking about the World Cup. All your friends, the one friend that's a soccer fan, like us two, we're gonna be talking about the World Cup. Naturally, all our other friends are gonna be down just because we're talking about it so much, right? It's it's the main event. This is WrestleMania when it comes to sports. Personally, this is my favorite so- uh, sporting event. Uh, it, it it trumps the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, all that stuff. The World Cup is it's in the name World. It's a it's the global sport on the biggest stage. Uh, it's just. As a casual fan, you kind of want to be down with those conversations, too. And also, it's fun. It's a very easy sport to consume, right? Game starts at 11. It's over by 1 o'clock, especially Two in the group stages, games, yeah. right? No so, commercials. For no commercials, commercial. only at halftime. So quick and easy, you get it, and you get to the point. And it's it's just uh, it's, it's very it's, – it becomes center stage. And like I said, like everyone on social media is going to be talking about it. So you just want to be down. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You touched on a lot. Just the fact that the countries come together, you see the best players of the world collide on the biggest stage. That's also a sign. And just the fact that, of course, we watch sports out with friends, but just seeing those nationalities. And like for years, I watched whether it was 60 or 80 Croatians for a major tour, and we get together, and we're just going crazy. Like There's no better feeling than that. You just got beer in your hand. You're just waiting for that goal. Because what better feeling than when... Yeah. Your country finally scores that goal. Like a Clint Dempsey scored against Ghana. We yeah. all lost our minds. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That feeling when the ball hits the net, it's just... I got so drunk during <laughs> that game because the entire... From like December when we got the group stage in 2014, this is pissing me off that they're not in the World Cup. These <laughs> legends. Yeah. But from like December, they they had that tough-ass group because Germany was in that group Portugal. too. And Portugal. And it was like, yo, they're playing Ghana game one. They must win to have any chance to get out. And I remember so vividly, we're at Rockies, the home of the Cowboy Ranger in Astoria. Uh, Dylan is walking in, and Dempsey scores in like 40 seconds. And I don't remember anything from that point on <laughs> until Brooks scores his goal. I was so oh, ripped. Header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so ripped. And it was just like, yo, that was just amazing. And like you said, dude, one of my favorite sporting moments is Donovan's goal yo, against Algeria. Down. I had That's a cast on my leg. A close friendship. Like, I, I had a cast on my leg, and I'm jumping up and down, and my mom's yelling at me. She's like, your foot, your foot. I was like, I don't care right now. I don't care. Yo, I wasn't even drinking that. Now that if you're listening, we got to post that picture of VM because Tim's in that picture, too. We're, Tim was at your house that day. Word. It's yeah, me and Tim Jones yeah, in that yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to see this young picture with a 17-year-old. That's this a great picture. Yo, we got in our cars, drove down Stein with our American flags. We got pulled over twice. Whoa. Yo, that's <laughs> amazing. Oh, my God. That was one of the best sports moments of my life. Yo, yeah. And that, like, made us, made me mad cool with you guys. Like, just that connection, it just builds friendships and relationships for sure. I think it just also helps that a major tournament, whether it's Euros, Copa, and then the World Cup, every two years we get this. So you, you get the... What's the word I'm looking for here? Like the build-up. Yeah, the build-up. You're just yeah. like, oh, man, this, this month's going to be wild. There's oh, yeah. games here. You see this country's playing this country on this certain day. And just the, the time differences and all that. It's just all that excitement. Like, people schedule their, their lives around. It's like you're totally into it. Like, no other sport. Because football on Sundays, everyone has Sunday off for the most part. And then basketball, you got the games. It's just the whole structure of the World Cup or major tournament in general is just so exciting. And this is... 
you get behind your country and you got the two, three jerseys ready to go and you take it from Dude, there. Dude, we were on vacation in South Beach for 2014 and we made time. We're like, yo, we're going to, went to the Clevelander. Yeah, That's another dope video <laughs> I should post because I uh, Jermaine Jones scores that goal. And he gets the he gets the rebound off the corner, and I'm yelling, "Have one!" Yeah, oh, yeah. And then he just rips the goal out. So, yeah. and my phone is just bugging out, going yeah. up and down. Uh, and we're over there. We were like nine, ten people deep at, at the Cleveland there, and just like you said, we didn't know anyone there. But everyone's down USA. They're high fiving and shit. And it's a sense of pride. It's dope. All right. So a lot of memories of USA goals. USA is not going to be in the World Cup. We've mentioned <laughs> this many times. So, Allen, who should the the American fan be down with for this? Who should they hitch their bandwagon on? So I, I separate into three categories. The first category is, of course, if you don't bet. If you want to bet, then just I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you're, every hour. you're talking this language. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, yeah but, I'll, I'll be down with Egypt for a game. If you're an ultra-conservative, that, uh, if you want to just get behind the powerhouse, I say the three favorites are Germany, Brazil, Spain. Those three countries, I'll be shocked if they don't make the semis and they just played the best football. You're just you're gonna see world class players play with each other and create remarkable goals. Like those are the three you want to get behind. Second is if you want to go with the fun underdog, I, I recommend some of the African countries like an uh, what we got we got Egypt or Senegal. Senegal's on our way with Salah Armani. I would recommend Nigeria, but they're with Croatia Argentina, and I don't <laughs> want you to waste your time back because they're not been through. <laughs> and third one, uh, this is ultra fanboy, but if you want to enjoy a wild roller coaster ride of very technical, classy players, you can join me with Croatia. This is Alan speaking with Modric written across his yeah, chest yeah, right yeah, now in yeah. a Croatian color T-shirt. Well, how about you? Who do you think? Who do you think Americans should root for? Because um, I know Joey already said he's like, "Yo, I'm down with Iceland." Who is also in the group? Another with, uh, team I wouldn't recommend, especially since Sigurdsson. Not sure if he's gonna be fit for it. So. Yeah. The Euro run was fun, so you know, if you were watching since then, it's cool to keep on. Hey, now, English listeners do not agree. I with know, that. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Yo, what about me? I had five hundred dollars <laughs> on, on England to win the Euro Cup. Legends. Oh yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, bedtime. Yes. Yeah. No, By the no, way, we should mention. I don't know. Uh, if you got this impression, but this, I feel like this is the first World Cup where there's no hype or major tournament draw, no hype on England. Like, you've seen tournaments 2010 World Cup, even the 14 Euro World Cups. Cup, even the Euros. There's no hype on it. I think people are just exhausted. They're just like, we don't, we're tired of Dude, this. Dude, so I have some customers of mine in the city at the, at the breakfast stand, a lot of dudes from like England. And uh, in 2016, I was going to, when we were going to Vegas, I told one of them, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm betting money on England. He's like, well, <laughs> That's not going to end well, I'm telling you now. <laughs> he probably would have been glad to take your money. And like, then I'll he, take he, that bet. He told me, he was like, what I tell you? And then with this world comes, I'm like, yo, there's no... He's like, listen, I'm not falling for this trap. My entire life, he's like, he was born in 1966. So that's oh. when they won the World <laughs> Cup. He's like, I've never seen them win a, a, uh, a major tournament. And every single time, it's like, you know, the Premier League is the best league in the world. They have a lot of great players. The list goes on and on. But it's like, there's this something they always choke in these big moments, no matter what. It could be. That could be it, where people are just fatigued with that, yeah. and no expectation is sometimes a good thing. Because they haven't won a knockout stage game since, I believe, World Cup 2006. Beckham scored a free kick against Ecuador, maybe. And then they lost to Portugal, and I forgot. I think Rooney stamp, stomped on, like, Ricardo Cavallo. Yeah, nuts. <laughs> I think that's the last time they won a knockout stage game, because every other tournament, they get either embarrassed or they don't even make it past the group stage. So. And don't forget, there was the one World Cup where, I think, Gerard against Germany... Oh, Lampard. Lampard. He hits the post, yeah. bounces in, the ball's in by like three yards, and they didn't call it a goal. 
And that's what really jumped They still ended up losing 5-1, but it could have been 2-2, so who yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah, at that time, yeah. it would have been a different score That was line. the Fabio Capella era. So, so Buss, what do you, who France do you think? France is fun to watch. They oh, yeah. were a disaster. You know, for, like we talked about it, the casual fan who only watches the World Cup. They were an utter disaster last tournament and knocked out early in the group stage. So they had a good run in Euro. Yeah, they went to the final. Yeah, they're young. It's like a new total cast of players since last World Cup. So it'll be fun to watch them. I think as a, you know, if if you don't have a team, stick with France. Fun fact: they are my favorite national team that I have no ties to. Okay. Ever since Thierry Henry, my mm-hmm. first sports jersey. Ready for this? Two thousand two Zidane World Cup jersey. <sighs> Thing. I saw you wear that back yeah, in the day. I, I, still, like, I still have it. It yeah. still fits me, which is crazy because I was like, what, 12, 11 years old? I was like pops, a baggy style. My pops or bought that. it as a men's large, so now it still fits me, which is dope. And mm-hmm. every time I wear it, I get mad love. I actually wore that when uh, Pius scored that goal against Romania. That's right. The $400 on France. Yeah, it was amazing. But, uh, all right, France, I'm with you on that. On what paper, if- I think they're the best squad. It's just I don't trust their manager one bit. I thought the Euros, they kind of got an easy ride, and they kind of rode it. Also, it, it benefited them playing at home, home turf. Yeah. yeah, it's always something big when you're playing in front of your crowd. Mm-hmm. But like they had the easiest group. It was like Albania, Romania, Switzerland. Then they had like Ireland, and then respect to Iceland. But you, if you tell me we could play Iceland <laughs> in the quarterfinals, we're taking that. Yeah, they beat Germany, of course, but then losing Portugal. I just thought Euros, even though they made some finals, it really wasn't all of that. It wasn't run. an impressive run, yeah, yeah. other than being Germany. Yeah, I hear you on that. All right, so as we uh, as we sign off on this one, one more thing I want to ask you guys. Uh, actually, no, I didn't give one, right? I didn't give a, a team? team. No, you didn't. Yeah, Panama, right? <sighs> nah, yeah. stay away, uh, Panama. No cast teams. Go on. Hmm. Definitely not Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Obvious reasons. Um, I mean, Portugal. Oh, we didn't mention Argentina, the best player. Right? Well, I mean, that's, I'm not recommending it, but that that's who I'm personally putting my money on and rooting for. Oh. Um. I think that there's a team that has you know last couple major tournaments. They're in the final. Uh, best player in the world, arguably. It'd be nice. So that's a nice little segue into this question. What's the biggest storyline going into this World Cup? And I'll just piggyback off that. It's can Messi win one? I think this is going to be the last tournament, major tournament, that Messi's going to be at his absolute apex. He is going to be the Messi that we've grown to know and love. And he's still the best player in the world. Something interesting, as I was looking at the scheduling, Barcelona got knocked out in the round of eight in the Champions League, so he didn't have to play long into the year. So maybe maybe it's a blessing in disguise for him. There's a guy who gets a lot of heat from the Argentina fan base because he's not an Argentina guy. Like, he didn't go to Boca Juniors. He didn't go to River Plate. He didn't go to all these teams. He went straight to Barcelona when he was like seven, eight years old. So this is the last prime Messi tournament we're going to get, and... It's his last chance to win a big one. And Argentina, their defense is going to be suspect because it always is. But, dude, going forward, Di Maria, Aguero, Dybala, Messi. (laughs) Like, yo, their team is so stacked. But it's been that way, too, though. It's always been that way, yeah. And, and it's such the same personnel too. In, so in it's like, can they put it together? In 2014, Aguero was banged up. Di Maria got banged up in the knockout stages. Higuain, Higuain just, missed yeah. a cupcake goal oh, over God, there. Could have changed that. the entire game. But for me, I'm a big messy guy. My my pops always told me from a young age, yo, if you want to be an all time great when it comes to soccer, you need to win with your national team. Ronaldo just won the Euro Cup, so he has that checked off. For Messi to be in that discussion with Maradona, Zidane, 
both Ronaldos, Pelé, all these guys. You need to win one with your national team. This is going to be his last chance. I'm going with Messi and Argentina as the biggest storyline. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel I feel the same way. I think that's my storyline too. Can Messi get it done? Um, I don't know. I, he, we've he's, we've seen his his issues or his his emotions. He wears them on his sleeve with the national team. I think he retired briefly. He was fed up, and and he's back now. Is he fully invested? Is he mm-hmm. all in? He, is he? Does he have that mindset that Nick just presented of do I need to get one? I need to get one for my country to love me, a because they treat me like I'm not from here, and yeah. b f- to be an all time great here. Yeah. So, also, don't forget they had a pretty rough qualifying stage. Like they they, they got they in. I think in. on like the last day or the, the one yeah. of the last couple games. I saw some stat other than Messi, the only person that like scored for Argentina was like an own goal. Like they just. For some reason, they can't get it. Now, there's big talk. Uh, Jorge San Pauli uh, won the Europa League with Sevilla. Now he's managing Argentina. A lot of people expect him to bring uh, elevate certain players and bring some sort of structure to the team. Time will tell. I think that's what they're banking on, other than Messi, of course. But, yeah, in terms of qualifying, got, I think they got him by beating Ecuador. But it's just a lot of these players, you know, because Aguero's coming off knee surgery. You don't know. Higuain's always questionable. You don't know if Dib- one issue Argentina is can Dybala and Messi play with each other. We don't know. That's why Di Maria. But the thing is, Di Maria doesn't play every week yeah, for PSG. He He's coming back. So there's a lot of movement. Like, they have all the talent in the world, but there's so many moving parts. For that front free, who's going to be the front free? Yeah. You assume Aguero and Messi, if they're fit, they should be up there. But is it going to be Di Maria? Can they fit Dybala? Who knows? Yeah. What about you, uh, Alan? What's your biggest storyline? I'm not going to bring up VAR because I know it's very negative, but I do think VAR, how they use it, is going to be... It's going to be very confusing because VAR has not gone over. Explain that to people that might Uh, not know. So it's video review uh, in terms of uh, whether it's not just for goal. Because, of course, there's goal line technology after what we mentioned before, Lampard in Germany. But VAR is something. It could be a penalty. It could be potential handball. It could be possible red card. Red card, yellow card. It's somewhere where it hasn't gone smooth. They use it in most European leagues. Premier League has not used it. They just use it in the Reese FA Cup, though. But... It hasn't been smooth because sometimes it takes two to three minutes. It ruins the flow of games. It could give teams, uh, of course, time to not just rest, but adjust in terms of tactically. So I hope it gets better because I think it's a risk using it now biggest stage because if, if they've only used it for about a year. Like you don't see a Champions League using it, and that's the biggest at least yeah, yeah. league tournament. So the fact that bringing on is very risky, but I'll, I'm going to try to be more positive because I know I mentioned before the FedEx. So I think another big storyline is I mentioned, of course, Germany, Spain, Brazil. I think those are three favorites, but the next two, France and Belgium, in terms of talent on paper, you could argue they're the best teams in the world. Like they Belgium. are scary. You watch these players every week. They yeah. perform, but can they play together? We saw with France. And another thing with the Euros, uh, whether it was France, Belgium, or England, manager really let them down. Roy Hodge said, "Told you, no, yeah. I mean that guy. <laughs> Forget about it." Yeah, Belgium. They immediately sacked Wilmot's when I lost to Wales. Uh, Deschamps didn't do himself favors with France. Like manager's gonna be a big with every country, but of course with France, given the how. It wasn't all that smooth at the Euros. And then with Belgium, they took a chance to take a record of record. Roberto Martinez flopped at Everton hard, not known for organizing the fence. First major tournament. He's never really been in the tournament before. So how these managers get the most out of crazy good squads. Like France, yeah, yeah. Belgium, they have so much absurd talent. But can... Because I think the other countries expect them, if not to win the World Cup, at least get to the semis. If they don't get to the semis, I think it's going to be a failure for them. So I think that's a good storyline. France and Belgium, can uh, they play together? And will the managers get the most out of them? Roberto Martinez was the voice of 
ESPN. Yeah, he was on World ESPN Cup coverage for a while. Mm-hmm. For sure, and he, he was dope. I liked him a lot. Yeah, he Yo, was good. Belgium, add them to the list of a team that's cost me a lot of money in the past. <laughs> I remember I tried to win back the money that I lost with England. I'm like, yeah, I'll take them against Wales. Belgium and England. Ty Lockie, bedtime. <laughs> Belgium, England, same group. Your two favorites. Oh, my God. I'm betting the draw there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, quick thing we should bet just. What, what do we think about Fox now having the rights compared to ESPN after all these years? It's going to be a... a Interesting transition. I mean, yeah. you're so accustomed to. I, I thought ESPN did phen- a phenomenal job covering the World Cup. Twelman, Bollock, I like those guys. Yeah, a lot. they had a nice, a nice crew over there. Bob Lee also mm-hmm. being the anchor there. Tariko uh, was Tariko on there. I think briefly. I'm not sure. Oh, I think Lee. later. Bob Lee. I think both Lee. were. Yeah. I think Tariko was on there. I remember on there. Remember Bruce Van, Van Nistelrooy was on there. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, couldn't understand him at the time. But respect. But let's see. You know, I know Fox spent a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money to get the rights to the World Cup. And now, if you've watched uh, FS1, FS2, any Fox, their team is Mexico because that's the biggest national team fan base in the United States. Mexico is the number one team now in the World Cup with, with the U.S. being out. So mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm very excited and I'm very uh, I'm anticipating something good from Fox, too, because this is a big stage for them. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. So. All right. The first uh, installment of VMFC. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Hit us up on Twitter at Veterans Minimum. Uh, any questions, any comments, anything we left off? If you think that we should not root for Croatia in the World Cup, let us know. <laughs> let Alan know. Um, I don't block people, but they'll be greatly offended. I don't believe in blocking people. So if uh, you want to send hate tweets to Alan, where can they find you, Alan? <laughs> Alan underscore Stirk. That's A double L E N underscore S T R K. Uh, boss, where can they find you? And DeVito27 on Twitter and the gram. You can find me at The Lamb Show everywhere Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, all that fun stuff. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. We'll be doing it again, starting with, with this one. Every week we'll be getting one. Who knows? Some weeks we might get super frisky and horny and drop two. You never know. But for the most part, enjoy. Enjoy the Champions League this weekend, and we'll catch you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.